Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. And you really you just got to start. You just got to start. Just do something that, that starts to take you in a different direction. And it doesn't have to be major. It can be really minor, actually. It doesn't have to be something that takes a tremendous amount of energy or effort. Welcome back to The Coaching Call. My guest today is Di Manuel, who is a super dad. He's dating his wife with a lead-by-example way of living and a contagious personality. He is on a mission to positively impact one million role models around the globe to lead a functionally and fun fit life through education, encouragement, and community. Good morning, good morning. Di, thank you so much for joining me today. Like I said before, I've always said every time you and I have spoken, your energy is over the top, and I love it. That's how life should be, right? We should enjoy it. I think so. You know, it is what we make of it. And, you know, it's uh, the sun's still coming up here. It's Vancouver. I'm on the West Coast. And as such, you know, 7 a.m. for me right now, it's not summer anymore. Fall is here. And... The day gets up, uh, gets started a little bit later, but it doesn't mean my day doesn't get started at the normal time, which I, I'm up usually between 4.30 and 5 every day, every day since I was 18. And, and so I like it. I'm rising with the sun, but I get to have this great conversation to kick off my day and, and also sort of end my week. So I, I just feel really grateful to be here. This is this is awesome. So thank you so much, Sifu Raphael. Oh, my gosh, my friend. It's going to be an amazing thing. You know, one of the things that I love about you is is that you show up. You're fully not only connected, but you're committed to being in the moment. And a lot of people don't live that way. They live either in the past or what ifs, right? Not you. Not you, my friend. (laughs) It's a choice. You know what? Full disclosure, Mm -hmm. it's a choice. And I haven't always been this way. But the cool thing is, and this is good for all of us to remember, we can rewire our lives. Literally start with our minds and rewire our belief and our patterns. And if there's something that we don't like. We can change it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But every time I've changed, especially when it's been big change, it's always been worth it. You know, once you get to the other side, I mean, going through it, it's like all you can see, it's like going through a snowstorm, right? It's like a whiteout and all you see is a challenge. But once you get through it, you can turn around and look back and be like, wow, I made it through that. And it sure was worth it. And we have to remember that because we're going to be challenged again. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to draw on those those tools and resources and, and beliefs and habits and everything that's got us to where we are. And it's going to help us navigate the next one. Or 
if we're fortunate, we get to meet people like yourself, <laughs> other great coaches, mentors, teachers, Sifus, uh, that, that can inspire us, but also show us maybe some alternate paths to help us shift our perspective. Because that's all it takes is that it's just a fractional change in perspective can literally change our entire world, you know? And, and that's the nice thing that always keeps me going and allows me to show up like this. It's a choice, but my goal every time is to impact one person positively every day. Just one person. That is it. Just one. You are changing the world. I can do, oh, that's it, right? If we do it just one person at a time, it, everybody gets better. We all improve, you know? The, that rising tide raises all ships. Like, I, I love that, that, that saying. It's true. So why not do more of it, right? Before we get into what you're doing and how you're helping people make that shift, right? Let's let's find out who Dai is and and tell me about your name because the AI in, in Chinese oh, yeah. martial arts it has a, it has a different meaning. It means big, big, big. Right? That's big. right. So you are big. And and tell tell me how your name came about. And then after you do that, I want to know about your childhood. Where did you grow up? Who influenced you? What did you see the world like back then? Well, thank you. This is fun. All right. This is fun. It's sort of that trip down memory lane. But it's also, it's nice to always acknowledge where we've been and where we've come from because it often gives us direction on where we're going. And, or at least we hope. Because if we don't like where we're going, then maybe we should just change directions. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, my name. It's, it's, it is unique. It, it die is Welsh for David. David, if you're in Wales and they had a very long spelling, if anyone's been to Wales or, or, or understand how the that language in that part of the world looks, uh, it, it can be very confusing. I, I don't actually speak uh, Welsh, uh, but my namesake is from Wales and my great, great, great grandparents are from there. And I guess when my parents started having kids, uh, in particular me, I was the oldest uh, of the boys and it's just me and my brother. My father was a David. So to keep the confusion down in the house, they called me by the Welsh name because it's just like, uh, you know, Russell. And sometimes we make that or Richard uh, gets short form into Dick, right? Or or Robert into Bob. Well, die from David, same thing. And uh, my last name, for those that maybe or maybe not have figured it out, Manuel is Portuguese. So Welsh and Portuguese. And everyone's like, whoa, what's up with that? And I go, I'm Canadian. Don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you know, that's that's really to the point. Yeah, but all of our names, it's kind of neat to, to think about how they come about. But for me, I, I didn't like it when I was young because I used to get teased a lot. And I thought, man, parents, what the heck were you doing? You set me up. You put a target on my back. And then this thing called Google came out and search engine optimization and indexing. And I realized having a unique name is very, very, cool. very good. Very cool. <laughs> so, yeah, my parents are visionaries now. That's how I look. That's it. <laughs> So, so go ahead and tell me about your childhood. How, how was it growing up? And, and I know we, as children, we definitely lived in a different world, didn't we? Sure did. I was born in 76. I was an 80s kid in 90s, you know. And, uh, man, you talk about a world that was changing rapidly. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody that's been around for the last 50 years, we've seen things just change, like literally a whole 180 degrees and then another 180 and then another 100. Like it's like it's constant back and forth in this in the name of what? Progress? Right, right. Evolution. <laughs> and I would say in many situations, yes. You know, the collective consciousness globally, especially with the, the invention and, and adoption of the Internet has been remarkable just at how much information we have access to. But still, with all that information, what do we do with it, <laughs> right? And I know for myself. How do you handle it? 
well, yeah, how do you handle it? And what do you do with it? And, and how do you apply it? What's actually relevant to each of us individually? Because if you're trying to, you know, get through all that stuff, I mean, good luck. You're, you're going to be just spending a lot of time constantly reading and researching, but not doing. <laughs> and uh, I, I have fallen into that trap, too, so I can speak to it quite well. But here's the thing, you know, as a kid, uh, I, I had everything I wanted. You know, my parents, very kind, uh, hard workers, great work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I grew up watching that, you know, almost to a fault. Like my dad was, I, I, you know, for people that really knew him, they would say he was a workaholic. You know, he loved his work. He was a veterinarian. He started a practice back in the seventies after he, he graduated with, uh, you know, his soon to be business partner in his graduating class. And they decided to, to start a practice together. And, and they did that for nearly 50 years. You know, it's remarkable really when you think about the length of time they committed to that. And he loved it. He loved animals. He loved helping people with their pets. And I got to see that in action all the time. Uh, also, my mom always had a side hustle. You know, she's an RN, a registered nurse, and went back to school after my parents separated and divorced. So she re-upped her education so she could continue to support my brother and I. So meanwhile, she was working a full-time job, going back to school for her master's. Uh, on top of that, you know, trying to raise my brother and I uh, as a single mom. and watching that but also on top of that she always had a side hustle whether an antique shop a bnb you know you name it like it was just remarkable so this is what i grew up watching and absorbing so when it came to to producing stuff in my own life once i really started venturing down that path at 18 19 years old i had lots to draw upon but if i'm honest with you and anybody that's listening to this and watching i had a pretty rocky period from about age 9 to 15 and that was right around when my parents separated and divorced, and I took right. it really hard. Too. And, and yeah, and, well, and also, you know, just I dated myself. Uh, so you can imagine this is back in the mid 80s. And even then, like the, the kids in my class, there was only one other kid in my class. Uh, and that was grade five at the time, grade four at the time. Either way, there was only one other kid that had parents that weren't together still, mm. you know? And, and so it wasn't like today. I, I mean, and it's scary when you look at the statistics today around divorce and, and separation. I mean, it's, it, there's more people getting divorced than there are getting married at times, right? And it's like, whoa, but there's a lot more resources and ability to support people with, with that chapter in life, so to speak. Uh, so I didn't have that. My mama, as I mentioned, was working full time, going back to school. My dad was busy running his own practice and we'd see him every other weekend, uh, typically. So this left a lot of free time for my brother and I. Yeah, and especially me. And what I ended up doing was I I didn't know how to handle all those emotions. So I turned to food. I turned to video games. Turned to movies. So I was getting dopamine in a lot of different ways. Made me feel good in the moment. Made me avoid any pain that I might have been feeling in the moment. And literally, I learned to eat my emotions. And and it wasn't with nutrition rich food. It's not like I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I want another big bowl of salad. You know, like (laughs) okay, that wasn't the case. I, I was eating a lot of very Nutrition poor yet calorie rich foods, and no, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure this out. But I did that for about five years, mm. and so by the time I got to fourteen and a change, my mom's taking me to the doctor for my checkup, and he's pulling my mom aside, Betty Ann, your son's morbidly obese. Mm. And just to put this in context, like I didn't know what morbidly meant, nor did I know what obese mm. meant, and I, I was just like, well, that doesn't sound good, you know. <laughs> and I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm not in a good situation because I was feeling that every day. That was my life. I was very withdrawn. All, all the stigmas and, and typical cliches that we associate with someone in that state of unhealth, that, that was just my life. You know, it wasn't a cliche. That's just me. You know, I was withdrawn, dealing with a lot of social anxiety, avoided any large social settings because I didn't want mm. to be seen. 
Of course. You know? And, uh, and it was hard. It was hard, especially when you get into high school. Because, you know, kids can be mean, but teenagers can be cruel. And I learned that very, very much firsthand when I started in high school in grade nine. And it was, it was tough. You know, it was just, it was really hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to a place where I, I often had thoughts of, of what life would be like not to be living anymore. Oh, my gosh. You know, not have to deal with any of this pain. And just felt really lonely, you know. And uh, but I was more afraid of the idea of that finality than trying to figure it out. And, and it was it wasn't until I was fifteen one morning, looking in the mirror after a shower, and just broke down. And I got really honest with myself. I said, "I'm almost fifteen. I know in the last five years I've gotten here, and I'm the one that got here." Where before I used to, and I'm you know, honest with you, I used to blame everybody. Of course. I blamed everybody for my situation. I mean, it was it wasn't my fault. It was everybody else, <laughs> yes. you know. And, and you know, when you're a kid, it's that's just what we think. Now, even Adults sometimes I'm that all, you know, I've worked a lot. Of, I was going <laughs> to say, you know, it's I see it just as prominent today in adults as I did when I was a kid, feeling it myself, you know. And it, it was really hard, right? It was just it was really hard. Everything felt compounded, and it was more difficult than it should be. And I got really honest. I was like, okay, well, I got here over five years. If I don't do anything different and I keep doing what I'm doing now, mm. I'll be 20 in five years. I don't think it's going to be any better than now. In fact, if I'm honest with myself, it'll probably be worse because it's gotten progressively worse year after year after year for the last five, you know, up to 15. And here's the thing. And this is what I think everybody can sort of take note on. And you might actually relate to it very well. When you think about some of our own internal or external motivations for making change, I was more afraid of not changing than I was of the idea of changing. I, and that was it. And people are like, wow. So you, you, it was fear that drove you. And I was like, well, yeah, it was. I'm being honest. I am being honest. It just, it was, it was more afraid of me not changing and actually getting worse than the idea of me like, okay, I don't know how to change. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get healthy. What does that even mean? But I'd rather go and figure that out than the alternative. And that's when I got to work. You know, I, I literally was very fortunate. I uh, I went to the library. I got books out on fitness and nutrition and mindset. And um, my parents were very kind, and they bought me a mountain bike. I asked for a bike. They said, "Well, what would you like to do?" Because this is the first time where I came to them for help. Before they were always trying to help me, but I was like, I'd have nothing mm. to do with it. I was like, "No, you're just saying I'm fat. You're saying I'm not good. You're saying I'm not good the way I am, and I need to change." Like I was, I was just fighting. Oh, yeah. them, right? Wow. And. Uh, and here was the motivation. I wanted to make the change myself. I wanted to do it. And they saw that and they were like, okay, we got to stretch this now. <laughs> you know, let's help now. This motivation is there. It's present. And that afternoon, my dad took me out. We bought a mountain bike and I started cycling. Because it was something I could do very mm -hmm. privately. I, I lived in a rural part of, of Ontario, which is just outside of Toronto. Uh, sorry, the province of Ontario, just outside of Toronto, but 90 minutes east uh, uh, of Toronto. Small, smaller community with lots of rural uh, landscapes where I can just go and be on my own, ride my bike. And, and that's what I did. Yeah, it was great though. I mean, I had an old AM, uh, Sony yellow brick AM FM uh, cassette player. I, I don't know if I remember those. those old yellow bricks. <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing. I borrowed it from my dad, but it had the auto flip, right? Like you, you'd hit play on one side, it would change over for you. So I loved it. I knew that if I listened to one side, it was 45 minutes, one direction. As soon as it flipped over and started playing side B, I knew that was mm. time to turn around and go home. So I was like going out for these 90 minute bike rides. Now, a good chunk of that when I started, it was me walking and cycling, right. <laughs> walking and cycling. You know, anytime there's a big hill, I was walking the bike up. You know, like yeah. I wasn't there yet, but I was committed 
to, to navigating the change because I wanted to do it. I wanted to feel better. I wanted to think differently. And, and people often say, well, what was another motivation? I was like, I actually wanted a girlfriend. Yeah, I did. I wanted someone to see me and value me for who I was because I couldn't do that for myself. You know, one of the things that, that you're definitely talking about is that transformation. It does not happen when it's being pushed upon you, right? Because your parents were like, please, please. Let's, yeah, let's no. do something. Yeah. And until you, every person has to make the shift for themselves. Everybody can be at you left and right and trying to get you to change. But until you mentally accept that you have to take action, it won't happen. And I've seen it over and over again. People do it because, hey, you know, maybe I got to get ready for my wedding. Oh, I'm going on a vacation. I need to lose weight to for the summer's coming. All these different things. But they're doing it for external things or they're doing it for someone else. And the true change doesn't happen until it's internalized the way you did. So die. Thank you for sharing that. That is an amazing, amazing concept that we really have to take into effect and really understand. And it doesn't matter. Change doesn't have to be when you're 14, 15. Uh, you know, it, it can happen in your 40s. It can happen in your 60s. It does not matter. Are you tired of the same thing? And you were tired at 15. You, you woke up and you go, hmm, is that me? Is that really me? What? I don't want to be that guy anymore, right? So you... I, I love the fact that you didn't just do it by yourself. You asked for help because sometimes, yes, we can do things on ourselves. There is no doubt. You did go on those bike rides on your own by yourself, but you asked for assistance to be able to get the bike. So sometimes it's a little step, that, that little ask, right? Would you mind helping me? And those people who truly care about you are going to go way out of their way to help you. And sometimes, we have to be careful when someone asks for help because if we overhelp, we can hurt their progress, right? So we have to be that's right diligent as to how we help as well, right? And it's it's tough, right, to 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 find that line and and well set the boundary and then maintain the boundary. And especially, you know, anyone who's a parent knows this very well. <laughs> like I, I understood it a lot better once I had kids. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I get it now. I understand why I can't overhelp. I can't do Correct. it for them. And you know, it was really interesting. I spoke at a conference earlier this year, uh, a men's conference, and one of the speakers said something very profound, yet something very simple. And he's a neuroscientist and he was mentioning that our brains aren't wired. Mm be happy but our brains are wired to learn yeah. and the two most effective we all learn and advance and evolve is through mentorship and modeling mm -hmm. i started reflecting on it when he said that i was like it's so true it is so true i had some mentors in my life many times both personally and professionally often both <laughs> and i learned a lot from them they they would ask very clarifying questions which allowed me to have better sense of direction for my life so I could go confidently in a certain direction and know that this is the best direction for me right now. And this is important to take note of though, right? Because it's through that mentorship, we then start to maybe model other behaviors of other people that we're mm -hmm. around and surrounded by. And 
and things that we're learning. And when you think about this combination of those two things, as we're actively living our own life, it is how we learn. It's how we grow. It's how we navigate tough stuff and the easy stuff, right? Like, and it's really cool because once you've realized that and you see how it plays into your own life, if you're someone that's gone through a big transformation or had a massive change in your life, I know that once you get to the other side of that, and I think this is almost unanimous with every single person that's had massive transformation in their life in, in whatever area it was, they often feel the need to turn around, look back at where they've come from, because they're going to see people off in the distance that are about to navigate a similar journey, right. dealing with similar challenges. And I don't know what it is, but I know in me, I wanted to go back and support yeah. them now on that leg of the journey. Because I know how hard it was, but hopefully I can point out a couple spots so they can avoid a few of those little yeah, footholds, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and help them to navigate the change. And I feel that connection to wanting to do that. And I think that's why I ended up being the coach and a mentor to people in my own life for 28 years now doing this. And it's, that's beautiful. It's, it feels good. It feels good to me. It makes me feel fulfilled, happy, joyful. And, and that's why I know it's the right yeah, thing. Yeah. You know? let, let me ask you, how long did, did it take for you mentally? Mentally, it, 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 was, it was that moment when you looked in the mirror. I think that was that, was the, that, was that quick shift, right? It was. It was instant perspective shift, instant, like right in the moment. I didn't know what to do. I still had a lot of big questions, but it was that moment, that moment in front of the the, the mirror after getting out of the shower and eyeballing my body that didn't feel right. like my body, even though I was the one mm -hmm. sitting in it, looking at myself, I just, I felt so disconnected. I did not feel like this was, and there was that need to find me, to discover me, to, to redefine yeah. me. And uh, it was that moment. So, yes, you're absolutely so right. So how long did it take for you? For 20 months. Not, not. I mean, it was a struggle. And I, I like the fact that you, you also mentioned that you took your bike ride and sometimes you walked your bike because it, it, was, it was tough. But here's the thing. You didn't walk it back. You nope. kept going. <laughs> and that's, that's, where, that's where the drive comes in. That's where you you remember that transformational moment and you said, this is not really me. So how long would you say it took you where you can look in the mirror and go, I like this guy. He's all right. Uh, okay. If I'm really honest, maybe 10 years ago, Wow. you know, and it's a long time, isn't it? I'm just being honest. But, well, <laughs> you know, when you're, when your identity is so attached to being a certain one, but also you're used to a lot of emotional mm. trauma that attached that it's hard to disassociate or, or detach oneself from those past emotions and scars. And, and listen, I, I, I continue to carry that morbidly obese teen mm. forward with me. You know, I kept packing that little kid around with me and he was on your back. And it didn't matter how hard I worked or changes that I made or even the accolades or affirmations I would get by doing what I do. Often when I was alone, I'd still mm. beat myself up, I'd still not think I'm I'm worthy or of value. And it's wild, right? Like just that that low self-opinion rears its ugly head. And I'm back to being that morbidly obese teen again, even though I'm not. And I'm so far removed from that. You know, I've been in a much healthier, happier place for majority of my life compared to that six-year period where I dealt with that unhealth and the ridicule and the teasing and, and all the other trauma that came with it. But 
it's been so far removed. You would think that I'd, I'd move past it, but here's the thing. I never actually yeah. did the inner work. Yeah. I did the physical work. I made all these changes mm -hmm. on the external. It started to affect my, my uh, mentality. It started to affect my confidence in, right. in a positive way, but I still kept going back to that little mm. kid, you know, and I didn't really understand how to do any of that internal work to reconcile that, to, to heal that, you know, and it wasn't until like uh, I, I did a TEDx talk last year talking about vulnerability in men. And more importantly, 13 years ago, I, I mm. stopped drinking. And because I went from food, being an emotional eater, to being an emotional drinker. Okay. <laughs> so I just took one vice for the other, but I was highly functioning. I wouldn't go as far to say I was an alcoholic, but I had a really poor relationship with alcohol. I mean, it was my way for managing stress, anxiety, overwhelm. And it was something I would do at the end of every day. And, and it, it just was easy. It was just this automatic way of handling stress or, or escaping really the moment uh, of stress. And it was, it was funny. I'd wake up the next morning. Stress is there still. It didn't go away. You know, it's not like this drink magically made it disappear. You know, like I was still dealing with it. And uh, that was most of my adult life, you know, up until 15 mm. years ago when my wife sat me down and she was rather upset because she was at her wit's end. She was like, I, we can't do this anymore. This is not a healthy environment to raise our kids in. You know, both were under the age of mm. six at this time. And uh, she was right. See, I, I couldn't argue. I could not defend myself because there was nothing to defend. She was yeah. absolutely right in everything wow. that she was saying. And she asked me a question. You know, here, here's this idea about clarifying questions. We know this as coaches, right, as mentors. It's not so much telling people what to do, but it's asking them the right questions so they can discover mm -hmm. what to do themselves. And my wife asked me a question and she said, Di, are you being the type of man that you'd want your daughters to marry? Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah. Beautiful oh, question. It was like getting punched in the face and kicked between the legs at the same time. You know, I was just like, whoa, you know, like, and pardon the pun, very sobering. Okay. Uh, it, it was, it was in that moment where all of a sudden I was like, holy smoke. If a guy like me, who I was 13 years ago, I, cause I, I was great as I was in a lot of areas. He couldn't undo these other areas that I kept going back to because it would undermine all the good to the point that it, it was always this big conditional, you know, like the big butt. It's like, oh, you're doing so amazing. But, <laughs> you know, so the conditional was there and that was my life. The butt was my way of dealing with stress and anxiety. And, and I needed a healthier way to that. And. You know, her asking me that question, I was like, oh, man, if a guy like me at that time showed up my doorstep, I wouldn't let him in my door. Man, I wouldn't even let him near my kids. And yet that's what I was saying to my kids. That's what I was mm. modeling yeah. my kids. This is what a man is. This is what a business owner is, what a husband is, a brother, a son. You know, like I was modeling their idea of what that is. Because, you know, kids, that's how they learn. They learn from us. Of course. They absorb. By watching. By watching. And. And so in that moment, I made a commitment to my three girls, you know, my wife, my two daughters, but more importantly mm. to myself, that I'd go one year without drinking. Nice. That's how it started. One year commitment to no drinking. But all of a sudden, you know, you remove the crutch. I'm like, okay, I got a bit of a limp here. I got to learn how to function again. I need to learn how to do this healthier. And I'd never mm. done it to that point. So here I am in my early 30s, still wondering, how the heck am I going to do this? And... Uh, I, I got to work, you know, I needed help again. And, and this is where I developed a much healthier relationship with the understanding of what vulnerability is. Mm -hmm. and, and I realized it is just a skill. It's a skill of being able to ask for help, you know, but, but not with the wrong motivations in place. You know, Brene Brown's really great at how she says, you know, vulnerability is not meant for shock and awe. It's not meant for, a, hey, look at me. 
you know, that's the wrong motivation. And, and also a lot of times people use vulnerability and they share things that are vulnerable, but they share it to people that didn't earn that trust yet. You know, they didn't earn the trust. They didn't earn Mm -hmm. our vulnerability to be fair, but yet sometimes we share and we overshare and, and then all of a sudden we get upset or we feel bad about being vulnerable because that person that we shared with that we probably shouldn't have turned around and they started using what we shared against us. You know, and as a man who identifies as a man, I, I, you know, in the conversations I've had with men in the men groups that I facilitate, you know, this is very common. We often are, we shy away from being vulnerable because we're worried that people will use it against us, see us uh, as being less than we are, you know, and, and it's amazing how our value is attached to this idea of being strong, yeah. you know, confident, the provider, <laughs> a vulnerability doesn't fit into that equation, you know, like, and it's, it's wild. So I, that's what I got to work on in, in uh, you know. Full transparency. I, I started working with a psychologist. I also started working with a counselor. I mean, a little side note, you know, we, we started seeing a communications uh, counselor, my wife and I, so we could work on our communication as a couple. And, and here's the funny thing, you know, she's the, 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 our second meeting, right? Uh, the counselor's like, uh, so Christy, I, I, I think it's better that Di just comes back here on his own. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> it was like, it was, my wife was in a really good place. I was the one that needed to, to learn new mm-hmm. tools and, and, and gain some new understanding. And, and so I just got to work. And that was about the first six months of that 12 months. And I came to a place where all of a sudden I was like, okay, I can forgive that little kid. It's yeah. not his fault. Yeah. You know, it's not his fault. It's not my fault. It's just, it is what it is. But you're not that guy anymore. You're so mm. different. Now. And it just, I had to reconcile a lot of these bottled up emotions that I was yeah. avoiding. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I was avoiding them. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you, you talked about two transformations, right? Your physical transformation. And a lot of people go through that, you know, they go through um, maybe whatever it is physically they need to change, but that's it. They stop there, right? And I think you did that also. Until until you got that wake up call of <laughs> who do you want your daughters to date? Would they date you? And then when you can answer that honestly, right? Because a lot of men, yes, literally would say, "Of course, I'm perfect." You know, this is the kind of yeah. person I want my daughter. But it's not the truth. When you look dig deeper, like you did, and and it's a scary, scary thing, because now you have to be what. You have to be super uh, open, honest. honest. Yeah. And not not just with others, but yeah, with yourself. And I think that's actually the harder <laughs> one, right? Like, I think it is. It's amazing how I can really, it's that, uh, as a psychologist will tell us, you know, there's that idea of, of confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that whatever beliefs we have, we're very good at seeking proof that validates it as true. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's true or not. And, you know, as a man who identifies as a man and sometimes can be a little bit stubborn, uh, it's amazing how I will fight tooth and nail sometimes with my wife. (laughs) I might be wrong, but I'll find something on the Internet. You see, I'm right. I'm right. And it's like, you know, (laughs) you can find I I, I remember I had a mentor and he says, hey, I want you to Google. I love Mother Teresa. So I did that. 50, 60, 70 million hits. He goes, I want you to write. I hate Mother Teresa. Mm. Google that now. Uh, also, equally, yeah. <laughs> you know, like 30 to 40 million hits. So it's it's interesting when you start to, to understand this and see this online. It's like you can find something to validate anything you believe. And it doesn't make it any more true or false. It just you're, you're validating a point. But is it true? Yeah. You know, and 
And it's going that extra step and challenging the source of our belief and values. And that was something I never did. And that's what I've been working on the last decade. Okay, like full, full, full on. That's what I've been working on is doing the internal work. As much as I focus so much on my external most of my life, being in the health and mm-hmm. fitness space, I, I realized I had a very uh, much an imbalanced perspective on my life and, and who I was. You know, it was so lopsided. This identity was tied to the fitness individual, to the fitness right. side of things, the physical representation of fitness. Mm-hmm. But I didn't talk about the emotional, the spiritual, you know, the psychological. I, I wasn't talking about those aspects of yeah. fitness and that's what I needed to do, you know, for myself. And, and then since going on this journey and I'm still well on it, uh, that's what I'm focused on helping people with, you know, is, is, is trying to find a more holistic solution that unifies us with all these pieces that make us who we are, you know? You know, that, you know what I, I've, I personally have realized that transformation, true transformation never ends. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's oh man, spot on. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But seriously, that is you're right. You're absolutely right. Which one are you on still? I'm curious. What transformation is still going for you? Oh my god, every day, every day, I'm I'm trying to truly figure out who I am. I mean, when we have other people tell us who they think we are. That's all good and dandy, mm-hmm. but do we believe them, right? So that's the thing. And then if they say something that doesn't suit what you believe, how do you change that perspective for them? So there's a transformation that you have to think about is, do I even want to? Do I want to waste my energy and time to try to have someone else think of me differently? But who do I truly, truly have to make happy? Is it you or is it me? I think before anyone else, I am with me wherever I go. You are not going to be with me every single minute of the day, every second, but I'll be there, right? I'll be with me. So who do I want to be every second? Mm. You know what? You know, as a business person, as a coach, physically fit, healthy all these different things that you and i are both doing where do we fit in in this world of ours that is 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 always questioning what we do every minute every second someone else is going to question who are you what are you doing how are you making a difference in this world what are you doing to change the world because if we're not doing one little thing to change the world and you said it in the beginning of this this conversation if you can change one person man and i even said it to you i said you're changing the world one person impact huge huge and you know as a little kid myself people said to me i can't change the world because i'm a nobody and you know that's that's always been something that has stuck with me i'm nobody i'm nobody i'm nobody and and so how do i become somebody how do I daily make a difference in this world to be recognized as somebody? Do I go and please everybody so they can see me? Because maybe that could work. But the real truth is, do I see me? Right? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what I really should be? And that's how I can change the world. I change me. The world will change. Yes. I am. That's right. <laughs> 
I am. I am and I matter. Those are the things that we have yes. to say to one another, right? God, you uh, matter. You yeah, make a huge difference in, in this world. And I everybody. Goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sifu, you know what? Everything you just said there, I'm just like, it's true, right? And as much as, and here's the thing, it, it's, it feels mm. true. It's different. It's like cerebrally, you know, mentally, we can, can reconcile pretty much anything, right? But the emotional and spiritual connection to the things that we say mm. and believe, it's a different connection mm -hmm. entirely. And it just feels right. And you can't argue that when it feels mm -hmm. right. Do more of it, you know, as long as it's not hurting anybody or yourself and it's healthy and, you know, productive and, 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 and contributes, mm -hmm. contributes, right? Like what you were hinting at there, this idea of contribution is, is fascinating. And, and I think a lot of us who are coaches based on our own transformations and wanting to support others with transformation. There, there is a connection to that. There's an origin mm. story around that idea. And I often wonder, what would the world be like if everybody just took some time every day to mentor just one person, just one person? Because I think a lot of us go through life feeling that we're alone, mm. you know, or not feeling connected to a purpose, a vision, a mission, a meaning. And, and I know this is probably going down a completely different path, but it, it's, it's around this conversation around motivation, right? Because to make mm -hmm. changes, it usually starts with some sort of motivation, whether it's an internal or external, hopefully it's both, uh, but, but there's a motivation there. However, I often hear from people, you know, I don't have the motivation to sustain it. Uh -huh. And so it, it's amazing because we start so passionately about the changes we want to start to make for our own you know, for our own life and, and, and situation. And why does that change? Why does it lessen? Like, why does our commitment to the change that we've so passionately identified that that's the change I want to make? Mm. And then we stop. Like, I'm always fascinated by that. Like, why stop? Like, you were the one that told me you want to make these changes. You were excited to make these changes. You're going to make these changes. You know, like, and then, you know, three weeks in, you're like, oh, I just don't mm. feel motivated. How can you not be motivated? In three weeks, yeah. you've seen some changes. Why? why? And and because I've seen this myself, okay? Like that's why mm -hmm. the question oh, yeah. there is this idea around motivation. Yeah. I, I hear it all the time, all the time. You must hear it all the time too, because we we do so much in mm -hmm. the wellness space that it's often one of the the simplest excuses people can give as to why they don't continue to do certain things, especially when they have identified those things as being good for them, yeah. and healthy for them. And they, they always fall back. Oh, I'm just not. Motivated. It's it's crazy. Right. Well, you, let me give you an example. In, in the last yes, month, in my martial arts business, because I have several businesses, you know, I have martial arts, I have a wood shop, mm -hmm. I have coaching, I have all these different things that I'm doing, podcasting. Well, well, so, but here's the thing: in my martial arts, I've had people in the la in this past month, two gentlemen come, pay in full, never came to class. Wow. But can I get 50 of those a month? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it's sort of like the big box gym chains. Yeah, they love that, right? And so I'll send you a cheap membership, yeah. but please don't ever come. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you, know? you know, the thing is, I interview everybody and I say, uh -huh. this is the commitment. This is this. This is when are you going to come? What are you going to do? How? I don't accept everybody. And I don't. I really don't accept every client that comes to me, whether it's coaching or martial arts or anything else. I don't, even for my wood shop, I don't take every client and they're like, please have, I'm like, mm, I don't think we're going to be here because you're already, I can already feel the headache. <laughs> so yeah, 
Exactly. But it's not worth my time, right? My life is so short. I want to enjoy working with you. I want to enjoy helping you. If the, if I'm going to go through a transformation, which I will do when I go with you, I'm going to help you on yours. But guess what? That will transform me too. But if yes. you're not going to be part of it, I don't want to be part of it myself. So we both have to be on the same page. So these two gentlemen paid. I haven't seen them. They haven't shown up. And I'm like, why? I mean, you know, they gave me good money. And I've reached out. I, I emailed. I text. Don't even answer their calls. I'm like, okay. So uh, hopefully they're alive. I mean, that's the only thing I can I can hope for. You know, one of the things that that you talked about is, wouldn't it be amazing if some if one person mentored every day and and the whole world did? But I'm going to be cautious on that, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, I've no, been mentored please. so much, and some of those mentors. On purpose. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? You know why? What? Because that's how what? they knew how to mentor. So uh, we see that. Okay. So that, we have to be uh, careful how yeah, we yeah. mentor, right? Mm-hmm. So when you and I agree well, with sorry. you that mm-hmm. if, if it's a positive mentoring, yes. Yeah. Because I have been taught by mentors, people mm-hmm. who have hurt me the most have taught me the most, have taught me what not to do, how not to treat people, how to be better. Mm-hmm. So they have met, and I, listen, if it wasn't for them hurting me, I might not be the person I am today. Yeah, so, yeah. So there is different mentoring out there, right? But we're talking about positive. So I just want to let everybody know that even people who hurt you, take the lesson from it. Don't, don't always take the negativity from it. Don't get me wrong. Every time I got hurt, it was not, I didn't feel good. Did I? No, it hurt. But guess what? If I can reflect and I can go back and see that changed me, that impacted my life in order for me to make the decisions. Because here's the thing, and I always tell all my clients and everyone who wants to even listen, is you have two choices in life. You can be reactive or you can be active, right? You can act or you can react. So here's the thing, right? Somebody comes at you and and they throw this nonsense at you and you can be reactive and you can be, ah, and you can, you know, they're angry. You come back, ah, all nasty and all these things. Or you can choose your actions and act better than they do. So your choice is how do you handle every and any situation? That's the impact that you can have on your own life. Because if somebody comes at you and they're yelling their head off, and maybe you at fault. Maybe you did something wrong and they're going to yell at you. But if you go back and yell back, then you're not helping the situation, right? Even if it's your fault, That's right? Right? Because we, nobody's perfect. And if you ever meet anybody who is perfect, I want to meet them. Put them on the head of the line because I want to know how on earth are they perfect, right? <laughs> Ric Flair. <laughs> but if you've watched the documentary you'll see he is far from broad. <laughs> but you know that, but, uh, that's still I, I, sorry, I'm wrestling that's my it. thinking right <laughs> uh, be reactive or be active you know act accordingly right i i love that you know and and just ha- it's it's simple in concept but i also find that it, it's often the mm-hmm. simplest solution that's the truest and also the easiest one to act upon, <laughs> you know? And I, I love what you said, because it, it, 
you know, I've often thought about, well, you can either be proactive or you can be reactive, but I've completely mm. skipped over the middle. Just being active, being fully present, being there, you know, and uh, like, man, that was way simpler and way more true. <laughs> so thank you for the lesson and the reminder. And uh, hopefully everyone has taken note on that as well. I, I, it, you know, this whole idea of how do we live a great life? You know, I think it's sort of that ongoing question we all have going in the back of our head, you know, in our subconscious. We're always thinking, well, what is it that we want for right. ourselves in our life? And uh, I often think to uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, he, he would often ask a question, you know, are, are you following your bliss? Mm. And people would say, well, what do you mean by that? And he would say, are you choosing to walk the path in your life that leads you to the greatest amount of happiness, joy, and fulfillment? Yeah. But it, but it still implies at the very beginning there mm. a choice, right? And it is a journey. We go on a journey. We're going from one point to another, to another, to another. And this is forward progression. And hopefully we're very present for the journey so we can absorb all the lessons along the way and, and grow and, and develop that wisdom to be able to support others and ourselves. But what's the point of it all? You know, and, and that's why I like the idea of fulfillment, happiness, and joy, creating those opportunities, not only for ourselves, but for those that we're yeah. connected to. And it's just so simple. But it's also, for me, feels really true. And when I accepted that, and it's one of my questions, I'll just ask myself, I'm just like, okay, today, am I following mm -hmm. my bliss? What would that look like? What am I doing today? You know, and like even, and you might relate to this actually. And I think I put this out to a lot of individuals, especially men, because I, I, and I, I hate to keep going back to the sort of uh, right. man thing, you know, and referring to one gender. And, and again, recognize I'm a man who identifies as a man, so it's, also my comfort right. zone uh, to speak to this. But as men, so much of our identity is attached to career. Mm -hmm. Like just, it, it's very common, you know? And, and for me, after 17 years, I, I co-founded a company. It was in the retail uh, industry, selling fitness equipment. And, and I did that for 17 years, you know, all my twenties and then into the better part of my thirties. And I learned a lot in that process. And, you know, we, we scaled to, to about eight figures a year and very successful business does very well, it still operates, but I, I left it seven years ago uh, based on not feeling fulfilled anymore, not feeling that happiness, that joyful me doing what I'm doing. Now, that was a scary place to be. Of course. You know, and I want people to understand when you start to go through transformation, as I mentioned, 13 years ago, I made a decision. I am going to change. I want to change and I'm going to be very active in my change, you know, and you start to navigate those changes and everything shifts, everything changes, not just one, even though I was the one changing, everything around me changed too, based on my own perspective, right? And as such, I wasn't feeling fulfilled doing what I was doing anymore. And that was weird because I got into that business, had been doing that business, believing that this is my life path. Mm -hmm. And so for those that are taking in what you and I are talking about today, change is great. Uh, it can be, mm -hmm. it can be awesome, but be cautious. It's scary it's rarely it just one thing changes and it is scary it is very scary and and you know here i was like what am mm. i going to do you know like what is this next thing what is the thing that's going to make you fulfilled you know and and that's we went on another journey trying to figure that out and we're still working on that my wife and i my kids you know like it, it started off this whole thing where I, I quit that career my wife quit her career a couple months after that and Pulled the kids out of school, gave away all our stuff packed up our suv and just started traveling wow. <laughs> you know no really? plan. And to be fair, we didn't have a lot of savings either. Um, some people thought it was really foolish. I had one person reach out on Messenger and saying, you know, what you're doing to your kids is a oh, wow. form of child abuse. And I was like, what? Because they yeah. took them out of school, right? And I'm like, 
anyways, I blocked that. I was like, I, I don't know you. <laughs> like that is so out there. I'm like, I can't believe you said that. Um, but regardless, you know, we just started traveling and that set off a five year journey of traveling mm. around the world, you know, and, and then slow traveling. So we'd often spend lots of extended periods of time in different right. cultures, you know, to absorb that and uh, just observe and learn and, and feel impacted, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, two and a half of those years I spent in Bali, Indonesia, you know, and uh, so it was, it was a crazy little whirlwind, but it all stemmed from that one moment when my wife asked me a question, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? Like that was it. That was the wow. moment. Just as impactful and clarifying as that moment in front of the mirror at 15 years old, thinking, gosh, I yeah. want to get healthy. Mm -hmm. I want to change. And I think that's the most important thing about change is when you start to feel that and you're like, yeah, I think this is something I want to do. It, it, don't ignore it. Don't run away from it. As intimidating as it is, you want to stare into that vortex and be like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm ready for you. It's coming. Let's go. You <laughs> know, like, because it. it's your life. And it will be hard. It will be super challenging. But as I said at the beginning of this conversation today, I've never known it to not be worth it as well. You know, one of the things that, that I, I love, and you talked about your wife and the impact that she has on you. I love on your bio how you write that you're dating <laughs> your wife. And, and that's a beautiful statement because a lot of people, they get married and it's like, yeah, that's it. You know, especially people in fitness, in the fitness world, we see that, right? We'll see somebody who's in shape and then they get married and then their fitness goes down. Why does that happen? Because I think that there's a couple of reasons why, right? They found their happy person they're going to be with, right? The other one is they don't, they're not on the market anymore. So why should they keep that facade when it really should not have been a facade? It should have been a lifestyle. Right. So a lot of people yeah. go to the gym to have a facade and they don't have the internal work that you and I have always done. Well, you did it as you, as you moved on, but you started basically with, with a facade and you, your goal was to get a girlfriend. Right? That was one of your goals. The other one was that you didn't like the guy looking back at you. But so a lot of people will go to a gym, they'll go work out, they'll do things because they're creating that facade. What do some other people see me as? Instead of saying, how do I see me? Right. So it's, it comes back to that me, right? Because who is the most important person in any room? You are. So when we think about it, a lot of people will go get married and it's like, well, I, I roped them in. I'm in. I lassoed them in. Yeah. I got them. And it's, this is it. And then the other facade is the way they behaved prior yes. to that marriage. And, and then all of a sudden it's like the true colors come out. Right? And then <laughs> but it's so sad when, when we think about, hey, you know what? And, and the vows that people take in the, in the marriage, it's, and some people write their vows and all these things. And how true are they? You know, what, are they coming from the heart or are they coming just so you can impress the, your guests? So there's the difference, right? And then, so for me, the fact that you made that statement of I'm dating my wife, it goes to show that you are in love, you know who is the person that matters in your life. 
And obviously you must matter to her because if you're dating her, she still likes you, right? So <laughs> yeah, I should give her, you know what? I have to keep earning that love exactly. every single day. And the thing about dating, the intentionality with just our understanding and in a relationship with the idea of dating means that we're constantly discovering mm -hmm. something about someone, yeah. someone that we care about. Not taking it for granted, right? Well, that's that's absolutely right. Yeah. And but also over 23 years, do you think we've changed? Well, yeah, <laughs> we've changed a lot, a ton. Like we are different people today than we were when we met 23 years ago. You know, like but if we weren't actively dating, you know, taking time to ask the questions, to explore what is and dreams and visions and passions and have those in depth, but also those really superficial conversations, you know, like it's all good. It's all right. Like we, we kill time sometimes talking about menial things. Absolutely. It's all good. You know, like, and, but we have the intention to constantly be dating them, to constantly be learning about each other. It's impossible to know everything about someone. It's just impossible. You can't get you can't get in me. <laughs> you know, like and because people change, right? So the way your your girlfriend, who is your wife and is your girlfriend, so you have two two of the best, if you will, right? You have a girlfriend and you have a wife. Yeah. And they're both the same person. Right. Which is a good thing. Some people have that's two right. different people as a girlfriend and a wife, and that's a bad thing. But here's the thing, right? That sounds like too much to manage. I don't think so. <laughs> My wife's a tinge of ginge, and uh, Christy's all I can handle, and I can barely handle her. So uh, I've got my hands full <laughs> in a really good way. And, uh, you know, I love what you said there. I think that's that's something to really take home. Yeah. You know, just this, this being active in a mm -hmm. relationship. I was going to say being proactive again, but I'm like, you've helped me shift my perspective on that, that terminology there and that just the language. I'm a big language person, you know, like I know, but especially how do we talk to ourselves, right? That self-talk, because that was something I had to work through as that teenager that used to beat myself up all the time. That self-talk was always worse than any other talk I could get yeah. from any other person. You know, like, and so learning how to, to talk to oneself in a loving, caring way, in a supportive way, that takes work. Right. You know, it takes time. But if we aren't willing to take the time for ourselves, how can we expect yeah. anybody else to? You know, one of the things, if we don't do that, right, you know, that mirror that you're looking at, it's going to get a little dirty and it's going to get a little dirtier yeah. and it's going to get dirtier. And all yeah. of a sudden there's going to be cobwebs on it. And then that vision is going to be blurred. So by doing that positive self-talk of, you know, I am worthy, I am worth more i am i am i am you start to clean that mirror and then you can have clarity in your life because a lot of mistakes are made because of lack of clarity when we when we're clear on our mission and you know a lot of people say for business you need a mission statement yes you do but you need one for your life you need one for your that's right your family. I love the, the five F's that you live by. Go ahead and share them with us, please. I'm going to solo you so you could like really give it to us. All right. All right. All right. Well, the five F's, listen, we all like frameworks or frameworks, systems, processes. I mean, call it what you will. Blueprint, roadmap. I, I like to refer them more as mm -hmm. values for myself, you know, and the five F's are, are values, not, not just my own, but also my family. They echo these as well. And it was something that is important to us, but it gives us direction 
It also helps us uh, acting as a filter. Because, you know, every day we're all being presented with so many opportunities, things to do, people to see, places to go, you know, uh, foods to eat. I mean, there's so much that life has in store for us. Sometimes that feeling of FOMO, right, that fear of missing out, it's very present. And, and it in itself creates what's known as decision fatigue, where maybe sometimes we'll get to a place we don't even make a decision. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. there's too many decisions and we're worried that we might make the wrong decision so we don't make any. You know, or we procrastinate, we put things off. Anyways, long and short, the five Fs is a simple framework through which I like alliteration. It helps to remember things. Uh, also, I authored a book seven years ago called The Whole Life Fitness Manifesto. And, you know, in my many, many years at this point, when I wrote the book, I had already been in the fitness space for 21 years, helping literally thousands of people with their own health and wellness uh, aspirations and transformations. But I saw so many excuses again and again and again. And what I actually brought to the forefront was that people are just confused. There's too many choices. There's too many options, too many conflicting points of view and, and information sources. So, of course, when we start thinking about fitness and health and well-being, we get all these different opinions. I mean, what do you believe and how do you move forward confidently, believing that this is what I am meant to be doing? And so I wanted to offer something that would give clarity, would help people just get started where they're at. And I found that the biggest thing that people are challenged by is understanding what are their values? What are the things that are non-negotiable in their own life? So I went through an exercise for myself and my own family, and that's where we came up with, with the five S. And, and interesting enough, as we've been sharing this for the last number of years, there's a lot of people that resonate with these as well. So my, my invitation before I share these is anybody that's listening or watching this, you know, you can use this framework if it resonates with you, but if it doesn't, it's okay. But figure out what values are your core values. They're the non-negotiable and they're the things that will help guide you in your decisions and actions in your life. But here's mine, our five S, fitness, faith, family, finances, overarching roof of fun. And so by saying that roof, I want you to visualize this, everyone, okay? You've got a house. And, and this is sort of like how we draw houses in kindergarten or like me still today. I'm not an artist. Uh, you know, you have the little square and you put a triangle on top of it and you got it on a foundation, right? That is the house I'm talking about. But you've got four walls in this house and you've got an overarching roof. But there's also a foundation you have to build this. We're going to use this as a, a metaphor or analogy of life, okay? More metaphorically speaking. Fitness, faith, family, finances make up the four walls. The roof is fun. The foundation, though, is health. Because without a rock-solid foundation in health, and I'm talking physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, right? All these different aspects of being healthy in those areas allows you a solid foundation that you can build any life that you want, but also when the challenges come, like a hurricane, okay? And it comes knocking its, the wind up against your home. If you have really solid foundation and you've reinforced those walls by working and guiding and honoring those values, your natural resiliency to withstand the challenges goes way up, right? Way up. And so here it is, fitness, faith, family, finances, overarching roof of fun on a foundation of health. That is how our family values certain aspects of our lives, but it also allows us to make decisions very quickly because if something is conflicting, or out of alignment with any of those values, it's easy for us to say, no, no, thank you. Love it. That's not for us. Fitness is a conduit directly to help you with your health, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of that is impacted by fitness, physical fitness. 
finances. We live in a financially responsible world. Well, at least we hope that it's responsible. I mean, well, at least we can act responsibly for ourselves. Um, but we, we need to earn to be able to do things, you know? And so having a good relationship with finances, considering it's the number one thing that causes relationships to break up, it's also one of the number one anxieties and stresses any individual is dealing with mm -hmm. in today's day and age is often associated with finance. So why not spend some time focusing on that and, and you know, strengthen that. Um, family is all the relationships in our life. It doesn't have to be immediate family. It can be anybody's connection. It can be community, but it's this idea of community, of tribe, of, of connection. Right. Family, fitness, faith. Oh, faith. Yeah, there we go. Last one. Uh, faith. <laughs> it, it, now, please recognize, I, I speak to lots of different types of people, and I'm never going to push my belief systems onto others, especially if they mm -hmm. don't want those. <laughs> we all have our own different beliefs, especially when we start talking about a term like faith. So I like to keep it more non-secular. And what I mean by this is faith is our way of contributing to the world, making an impact, making a mm -hmm. difference. As I say to people, you know, on my deathbed, I want to be able to look back and say, you know what? I'm leaving this place better than it That's was right. when I got here. <laughs> you know, and faith helps me guide that. And fun, if you're not smiling mm -hmm. every day, you've got room for improvement. Okay. Like just, just being a friend here. All right. Like if you don't smile every day and really be like, ah, man, this life is fun. Yeah. It's okay. Don't worry yeah. about it. There's room for you to improve on that. There is room. You know, and because that, that positive energy is not only contagious and it's something to spread <laughs> as well as mm. ache, uh, we have to be actively involved in that, you know, creating that lightness, creating that mm. fun creating and sharing smiles and happiness. And because at the end of the day, I mean, come on, we turn on the TV, you go to any news channel, they own the negative vibes, okay? Like that's their spot. Yeah. But we have to balance it out. Mm. You know, if we let the news just do what they do and social media to do what they do, and we're not putting good quality information and content and uplifting, inspiring, motivating content out there, we're gonna have a really lopsided world view if you know what i mean like it, it, it's we have to balance it out guys so we got to do this together collectively we just got to keep putting great stuff out and you know sifu you're leading the charge on this <laughs> thank you the content that you put out is freaking phenomenal but it's inspiring motivating educational but it's also delivered in a fun way which makes it much more accessible to all of us and so uh, on that note thank you oh my pleasure my friend listen you know you, you talked about like so many different options and choices that we have and, and you made me think of the different restaurants I've been to. Some of them have a one-page menu. Some of them have like 40 pages. And I'm like, by the, I'm like, I don't know what to choose here. It's, you know, and the areas and this and like, I need a librarian to help me uh, figure out, right? So when we can choose, right, when we have something in front of us, don't complicate it, right? Make your life as simple as you can. And sometimes complicated is the simple, right? So it depends on how you look mm -hmm. at things. And, and yeah, so when we think about the choices, right? Go slow. Take your time. You know, like, like you did when you decided to get fit. You didn't go, I got to go to the gym. I got to lift this way. Use that machine. Da, 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 da. No, you said, I think I want a bike. Mom, dad, can you help me out? And then ask, you know, one of the things that a lot of people and, you know, I, I consider myself what I, I, I named mental game coach, right? Because the mind is so incredible. 
I mean, I'm reading every day, I'm listening, I'm learning. If I'm not learning every day, and you taught me so much today, and I appreciate you for that. But if I'm not learning every day, why? Why? Why am I not learning? What am I doing that's not impacting my life, my choices, my view? Because my world changes daily. Every morning, I'm up super early. And people are like, you're crazy. And I'm like, there's people crazier than me. You just haven't <laughs> met them yet. You know, but you will. You know, yeah. The, the whole impact that we can make in the world, the imprint that we can leave when we're mm. gone, the legacy, all this stems from our action. Every action that you do well is going to have that ripple in the pond, right? And sometimes no action also creates a ripple, right? Mm. It just creates, some, sometimes when, when you do nothing, and you don't act, that can even be huge, yeah? Because every time when you say no to one thing, you have to say yes to another. It's that That's simple. Right. Yeah, it's totally. that simple. So how is your life dictated? What menu are you looking at? Is it complex or is it simple? Do you use, listen, I'm crazy. I use a calendar, but I use it paper one, right? I use a paper one, but I also still use my Google and my iCal because I make sure everything, so I don't miss meetings. I don't miss important conversations like this one so that I am present. And when I'm there, you know, one of the things that I did before we got on, I shut everything off. So you are the only thing on my mind. You are awesome. it. <laughs> You're the only one in front of me. I am not thinking about anything later I'm not thinking what I'm going to eat. I'm not thinking of tomorrow. I am here. I'm with you. And I'm listening to all the amazing, amazing content that you are giving us. So thank you for putting out what you do and, and the lives that you are changing every single day. And sometimes, you know, the, the most important life that you're changing is yours, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, it, if we don't prioritize our own life, no one else will. You know, and uh, it was definitely something I, I realized a long time ago. And, you know, it's, it's, it's odd, right? Because we, we seem to want to be reminded constantly about self-care. And it's like, well, what is self-care? I mean, it's just taking care of yourself. That's exactly it. I guess what it is. But, I mean, do we have to be reminded of that? Obviously, we do. <laughs> you know, like, and, and it, I keep thinking, well, we're going to get it one day. You know, and we have these moments where we're really good about caring for ourselves showing ourselves love and, and really listening to what is it that we need right now. But if that's not our natural default, which for most people it isn't, it's easy to put ourselves mm -hmm. last and then take care of everybody else first. And, and, you know, professionally as a business owner, I know I've been guilty of that many oh, yeah. times in my career, you know, where I prioritize the business over myself, over mm -hmm. family, over relationships. And they used to always make me feel somewhat resentful towards yeah. the business, you know, because over time it's just like, or the clients too, right? It doesn't feel well. Yeah, 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 exactly. You start to resent clients and customers and situations that are in your business and because it's so lopsided and, and we start to feel like it's robbing us from life. And, and that's so crazy because usually the reason we got into business to begin with was to make an impact, to help others, to, to serve, to, to make a difference. 
And uh, I always say, if you start to have those negative feelings, you're probably tiptoeing into the waters of burnout. Mm. And I, that just means it's your body's way of saying, dude, you got to self-correct, you know, like you need a course correction here. We need to get back to basics, reestablish that healthy foundation upon which you got this business started with to begin with. Because when you fall out of love with your business, it's a slippery slope and it goes pretty fast. And uh, I was hospitalized once uh, for, really? for a week uh, based on burnout. Well, it, so side note here, I, I have an autoimmune disease I was diagnosed with mm. a decade ago. So yeah, during this process of change, it also acted as a additional fuel to that mm. fire, so to speak, for me to want to make right. a big change and ultimately leave the industry I was in because uh, my health became very much in focus for me. And uh, I have this chronic autoimmune disease called uh, autoimmune neutropenia. Mm. Took them a long time to figure it out, about three years before they actually gave me a diagnosis and lots of bone marrow sure. biopsies. Painful, uh, I'm sure. I don't, you know, they, they, they are not great, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> Especially if you're someone that's strong and healthy with strong mm. bones, uh, they got to work really hard to mm. get at the bone marrow. And uh, yeah, it doesn't feel very good. Um, but it's right. what's needed to, to get clarity and understand. And uh, that put things into perspective for mm. me again. Because all of a sudden, you know, me, someone that's worked in the health and wellness space that felt empowered because of my health and fitness, all of a sudden realized, geez, as well as I've been living in this lifestyle that I'm very happy about, that provides for me, my family, and and creates this fulfillment. Like, all of a sudden, that all came into question, right? I was like, well, where did I go Mm. wrong? What did I do wrong? I, I just started thinking all these things. But also on top of that, you know... Doctors were really concerned because I have no immunity towards viruses mm. nor um, mm. infection. I got nothing to stay off that stuff. So you can imagine during the pandemic, my hematologist is like, you should just live in a bubble oh, while gosh. this is going on. I'm going to live in a bubble. Can you see me doing burpees in a bubble? I don't think so. You I'm know, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> might look, might go viral. Though. I, I don't know. Anyways, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't mm. an option. No. And, and so, I'm fortunate, and I'm using this as just an example for anybody out there that's dealing with any autoimmune or chronic conditions, because no. you're not alone. A lot of us. There's more people that deal with it than mm. don't deal with it. And I just want to tell you that it's going to be okay. Mm. And your lifestyle choices, the way you manage stress, anxiety, overwhelm, the way you care for yourself, you know, the kind of foods that you eat, the kind of relationships you maintain, all this plays into you and your health, your total health. 99% of the symptoms that usually affect people with severe cases of what I have, and I have like one of the most severe cases that the doctors work with. Like I literally have like no neutrophils, which is what neutralizes bacteria um, and viruses. But 99% of the symptoms never show up for me. Really? Wow. And the hematologist is just so impressed by that. You know, I do blood work once a month as well, just to make sure things are trucking the right direction and trending the right way. But most of the symptoms never, ever show up for me because of my okay. lifestyle choices. I'm just sharing this for people because I know it doesn't matter if you get to that place and you get a diagnosis. And it's like, oh, my gosh, the end of my world. You know, it's like everyone's mm. going to have to change. Yeah, it might. But it doesn't have to change for a bad reason. I mean, it can be a good reason. This could be a wake up call. This could be the lesson of, oh, you know what? I've got to retweet and rethink things, <laughs> you know, and it brought into perspective for me very quickly that, you know, this path that I was on. I don't want to do this the rest of my life because I already knew. I was going to miss out on things if I maintained that sort of level of work and commitment to my, my, my career versus my life. 
And uh, so it was actually a great wake up call in many, many respects, uh, health wise, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, especially. And uh, so, so don't be upset if you got a chronic condition. It's OK. There's always ways to improve it. Um, but but sustaining the, 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 the healthy lifestyle is probably what what has helped yeah. you tremendously. Hugely. Without a doubt. Hugely. Without a doubt. You know, and I feel very grateful that I've maintained that commitment to myself and I continue to maintain it. But it's also a lifestyle now where I don't really think about mm. it. I just do. And to back to your, your statement earlier, you know, the idea of just acting, that's just what I do. I mean, I wake up, I do certain things every day. Like I don't think about it. I'm not here writing into my agenda saying I got to do this and then I got to do this and then I got to do this. You know, like I see all these big lists that people put out about morning yeah. rituals. Here's your laundry list of 20 things you should do every morning before you start your day. And I'm like, you're sending people up yeah. to fail because they're not doing that many things to begin with now. And all of a sudden you expect them to do this laundry list and you, you, you know, and the way it's presented, it's quite prescribing, mm -hmm. right? Like it's like a prescription. And, you know, as soon as you miss one or two things, you start to feel like, oh, I'm missing. I'm not doing it right. I'm failing. I mean, that's the surest way to quit, you know? Like, I mean, you're not going to show someone an advanced movement that you, you know, you teach somebody five years in. Like, you're not going to have day one and say, hey, I want you to do this. <laughs> Jumping, flip, kick, something, another, you know, like whatever the most advanced move is, you know. I mean, you're not going to show that to somebody right when they're just getting started, right? Cool. Like, right. It, it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, and yet, this is what we do want. You know, and, and then we expect that I got, I want to make all these changes. I want to do it really fast. So I got to do everything on this list. And it's just, I just see so many people failing and giving up before they really got started. And I, and I hate that. I hate it. <laughs> you know, I, you're absolutely right. And you know that that happens with uh, newer coaches because they think that they have to impress upon. Right. Mm. So they, they think like, uh, if I don't give them enough. And instead yeah, of, of honestly, you know, let's yeah. say, you know, let's let's take a real look at where your trajectory is. Where do you want to be a year from now, five years from now? Because let's work on that plan. What is your fitness level now? And where, where do you want to be? Well, here's a question I ask someone. Somebody comes to me, they want to lose 30, 40, 50 pounds, whatever it is. And I'll say, okay, how much more do you want to weigh in a year? Like, what do you mean? I said, well, in three years. Do you want to be 40 pounds heavier than you are today or 50, about 70, about five years from now? What do you think? Maybe about, you know, another 40, 50. So they're like, well, of course not. I said, well, you want to start taking action so you're not there? Because if you take zero action today, it will creep up on you and you will not even recognize it. You know those 30 pounds that you want to get rid of? When did you start putting them on? So let's let's be a, a little detective here. Let's put our Sherlock Holmes uh, hat on and, and scope on, and let's take a look at when did you start? What affected you so that you started putting on the weight? Did you lose a job, a relationship? Did did you pick up Xbox and start playing video games more? <laughs> did you do this? Did you do that? And what is it that you do now? What are your actions today? I always tell everybody, your actions today will reflect your tomorrow. If your actions today are not what you want to be 10 years from now, right? Act, act like be a future dreamer. Act today like you would 10 years from now. Are you going to stop at that fast food place? 
and how often. Ah, you know, people say, well, it doesn't hurt to go once in a while. Yeah, true. Let me see. My last time I went to a fast food place was over 20 years a while ago. <laughs> so wow. for, for me, it's, it's the choices that are going to impact my tomorrows. But I can't do them tomorrow. I got to do them today, right? I love that. I love that because <laughs> uh, I think people resonate with this as well. Just to sort of piggyback what you just said. Uh, if you find yourself saying tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And that's sort of a go-to, you know, way of sort of putting things off. Recognize by the time you stick your hand in your pocket when tomorrow happens, you've just collected a bunch of forgotten yesterdays. You know what I mean? Like they're they're <laughs> you're, you're just collecting uh, tomorrows. You're not actually making progress. And uh, I I can speak to this very well because mm. I've been there. Uh, <laughs> I've been someone with the best of intentions. And you really you just got to start. You just got to start. Just do mm -hmm. something that, that starts to take you in a different direction. And it doesn't have to be major. It can be really minor, actually. It doesn't have to be something that takes tremendous amount of energy or effort. But as they say, the thought that counts. Uh, it's more than just the thought. The action itself does make you feel good because you're showing yourself that you do care, that you care enough about yourself. You value yourself enough to, to do something different than you've been doing to create a positive change or an adaptation, if you will. And, and that's what evolution is. You know, it's, it's just this constant measurable improvement and it's compounded daily. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not drastic. You know, I, your, your comment about the fast food, I, I kept thinking, you know, and this is something I've thought about. It's like, yeah, you know, if people just ate one Big Mac and they dropped dead afterwards, I wonder if people would keep eating it. <laughs> you know, like, because, you know, it's, it's and I'm not here to, to shame uh, or, or, or to vilify fast food. Okay. Like, it, yeah, are there healthier options to eat? For sure. But I'm not yeah. here to vilify it. I don't want people to feel bad or guilty for their choices. But you got to get honest with yourself that if there's certain things that aren't happening in your life, especially nutritionally, mm. you got to start looking at what's going in. Yeah. You know, because it's that input that affects everything. Yeah. It's literally the building blocks upon which you're building everything, your entire body, every cell in your body. That is the building blocks, you know. And, and so if you're using building blocks that are less than complete, mm -hmm. you can't be upset with the result being less than complete. Correct. Exactly. You know? So anyways, that's, that's all I think about sometimes. Like, you know, because when I was a kid, I ate a lot of fast food. Believe me, I'm, I did. <laughs> Oh, so did I. Listen, McDonald's, here's the funny thing, right? Now, McDonald's is, is more prevalent everywhere that you look. But when I was a kid, I literally, my McDonald's closest to my house was probably almost two miles. So me and my friends, it was a trip. It was a treat. It was a treat. It wasn't an everyday right. event. But when we went there, I mean, we enjoyed it. This is when they had all the different shakes and all the different things. And, you know, and yeah. it, it was just a treat. It wasn't for us. It wasn't fast food. It was a destination because after we went to McDonald's and we went to this other store, we did the thing. So for us as kids, it wasn't like, yeah, let's just ride our bikes. No, we used to walk, believe it or not. We had bikes. I don't know That's why crazy. we walked. We were just crazy. We had bikes. But we used to walk and we used to laugh and play and along the way. And it didn't take us five minutes to get there. It took a while. 
because we were fooling around as well. Yeah. But it was a destination. It was, it was a treat, right? But that's not how fast food is nowadays. It's not. It's not really a treat. It's a convenience. And when you change that, that is the perspective mm. that I'm talking about, right? Mm. So if you say, you know, once yeah. in a blue, I'm going to treat myself to whatever, junk, whatever. That's, that's cool. I'm okay with that. But if you're doing it because it's convenient, because you don't want to mm -hmm. take the time to prepare your food or choose wisely, then that's where, you know, you're hurting yourself. That's where the difference comes in. That's where the perspective is wrong. And you have to change that perspective to how long do you want to live? And mm -hmm. How, where would you rather be on your last day? Hooked up to a bunch of monitors or maybe at home or at the beach or somewhere that you're enjoying yourself or on the mat or in a swimming pool. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody who's at the swimming pool or every, at, at the beach, you're going to be terrified because you passed, you died, right? But it's, wouldn't you want to go in a place that makes you happy, not a place because you have no choice. Yeah, of course. That's the mm -hmm. question. That's the perspective that we have to realize that our actions today will impact our tomorrows and it will impact our last day too. That's huge. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, longevity, it's, it's great. Science mm -hmm. is doing mm -hmm. its job. It's helping us live longer. But here's the thing. If you want to also have vitality, mm. that longevity, that takes effort on yeah. your part. You know what I mean? Like it's it's on our own part. We have to be self-accountable to that, that if we want the vitality, we got to be doing things to ensure that we have that, that level of health and, and energy. And, you know, because it's great. Yeah. We, I, I mean, science might live us, help us all live to be over 100, but I don't want to spend those last 10, 15 years in and out of a hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and concerned that I can't live my life fully the way I want to because I have all these health complications that could have largely been prevented mm. had I just chosen to do different things as I was living my life. Because, again, we live. We have to eat every day. You know, we do move. We can move every oh, day we if have we want. To move and every day. Maybe just even walking to the store, you know, like, but it's a choice. Like, we're, we're living anyways. Why not just choose some better decisions, you know, better choices as it relates to those daily deposits? Because in the long term, that ROI you get on the back end is so worth it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't matter. I, I, you read about this all the time, you know, like I, I've, I've had many a clients in the past that have done very well uh, financially and professionally. Mm -hmm. But to the detriment of their health. Yeah. And. Often, every time I've had that conversation, and, and I would often ask, so has it been worth it? Very rarely does anybody say it has been. No. Yeah. Because they'll exchange most of that money to get back what they don't have now, which is their health, their well-being, that natural energy and joie de vie, as they say, you know, like, and, and they're going to spend a lot and have to work a lot harder to get that back. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you and I, if you and I right now went to a nursing home and we interviewed everyone there what's one yes. thing they wish they would have taken care of i'm sure 99.9999999 would say their health i think so 
I think so. And, you know, if you look up the work by Bronnie Ware, uh, she wrote a, a wonderful book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And she does just that. She documents all the conversations she's had over years and years and years of her career with these patients that she would often tend to in hospice settings and end of life. And, you know, would inevitably get to the point of asking the question, is there anything you regret not doing with your life? And every single person had at least one, if not all five of these regrets. And I won't tell everybody what they are, but I'll just share. There's a couple, you know, one, I wish I'd lived the life that I wanted to live, not the life others expected of me. Mm. And also another one that always pops off is I wish I allowed myself to be happier. Yeah. Because it implies that happiness is a choice and we're choosing the other, <laughs> you know, <Maybe>. and, and <laughs> it's wild when you really let that sink in. It's like, geez, you know, and. Because then you go look at the Blue Zone work by Dan Butner. These are people living to be 100 or plus, uh, well into their hundreds, but they're thriving. They're not waiting to die. Like they are loving life and, and thriving and fully in, uh, dependent, typically, or independent. And it's, it's remarkable. But so you got these contrasting point of views and often just relates to lifestyle and how they're living their life. You know, and, and so the, 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 the clues are there. They are there. <laughs> you know, clues are there. We just got to. Start paying attention more, you know? Success, success does have steps, right? And, and, you know, the other thing that if you think about what, and I say this a bunch of times, and people are going to go, oh, he's going to say it again. But what are cemeteries full of? What? Dead dreams. Dead dreams. Ooh, like that. I like because that. a lot of people yes. don't pursue what they dream about. And, and you said it before, you said a thought is nothing unless actions are put behind it. Yeah. You know, that I can talk to you uh, like for days, my friend. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know. I could too. And I just realized the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got a client call here yeah, in a few yeah, minutes. Yeah. I am so yeah. sorry. I, I can't believe 90 minutes just went by it in a blink of an blew. eye. But uh, see if for sure. Amazing. For sure. So listen, anybody go to, diemanual.com check him out he's an amazing as you can tell amazing individual you and i we have to continue to work together my friend i think we have so many things that we need to uh, accomplish together so thank you for today i agree i can't yeah. wait we're gonna have a blast oh, thank you for the opportunity oh man i i uh the way i look at it you know we're we're not so much life changers that we are life That's enhancers right. And it feels good to help others, but also, and I'm, this is just sort of leave this note, you know, help yourself, everybody, just help yourself. Do, do one thing every day that's good for you holistically, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like just do at least one good thing for yourself every day. It's amazing because you're worth it. When you do that. And I know it. Who knows it? You know, like just do it. When you do that, you're a blessing to the world. You are a blessing. Yes. Ah, ah, ah. God bless you, my friend. All right. Anyways. Thank you. Thank you so much. Enjoy. We'll talk soon. Bye, everybody. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. Thanks, Sifu. You got it, buddy. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. 
If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. <laughs>